you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ and Lance with you today. Uh, Bucky is at the HBCU Combine, uh, so he will be back next week as we get towards the uh, the Combine in Indianapolis. Lance, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Looking forward to the uh, to the Combine. I feel like it doesn't matter when we do shows together, whether they're in the morning, the afternoon, or the evening, but I feel like I'm always accompanied by my uh, my little cup of coffee here. It's just it's the three of us. It's like a three-man team here. Me, my I coffee, and line. You're now tweeting pictures out of your coffee. When did I you become had, a coffee drinker? I, I when, became a coffee drinker um, when morning radio got the best of me about, uh, oh, I don't know, about 15 years ago. I said, let me try this coffee thing, and I'm seven days a week now. Now it's a physical addiction. I uh, turned to coffee maybe a decade ago. Um, I turned to drinking coffee a decade ago. I came to being a an unhealthy uh, consumer of coffee uh, when the combine list decided to come out. I don't know, maybe two weeks before the combine. Um, and uh, <laughs> I'm trying to jam all these guys in and get all these guys watched. Yeah, can we get that out a little earlier? For goodness for those gracious, man. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, I'm pumping it, trying to trying to get that done. I know I'm preaching to the choir on that one, but let's uh, let's jump in. We've got a lot of ground we're going to cover today. We've got uh, a mock draft just came out, my second one. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna whip through that and uh, see if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, and then we're going to continue our uh, our building block series that was uh, it was a big hit, uh, something that I'm I'm really fired up about, which is a kind of a unique way to look at the championship foundation of these teams in terms of kind of young, controllable star players or who are their key players at the most important positions. Um, I'll explain that a little bit uh, after we get through this mock draft. But let's start things out here, first of all, Lance, um, with the uh, with this mock draft. I'm going to rip through the first 10 picks and then uh, give me uh, what stands out to you the most here. You ready? Okay. Yep. All right. I've got uh, Caleb Williams. Haven't changed there. Going to the Bears at number one. I've got Drake May going to Washington at two. I uh, decided to switch it up because I don't want to do the same thing in every single mock draft, even though in my heart of hearts, I believe we're going to go quarterback, 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 whether that's with a trade or whether the Patriots stick and pick. 
Uh, in this scenario, I said, hey, let's give him a veteran uh, and let's go Marvin Harrison Jr. with the third pick. Uh, the Cardinals come back with their choice of the next two wideouts. They go Malik Neighbors. Again, switching it up for me a little bit. Uh, the Chargers, they are at five. Again, no trades. So they take Joe Alt. Uh, that decision would come down to Alt versus Adunze, uh, I believe. So uh, I had them taking an offensive lineman for Jim Harbaugh's first pick. Um, then you have Jaden Daniels falling to the Giants at six, which more than likely the Giants, I would think, would would join the Falcons as two teams that would try and trade up if he started to drift. Uh, seven, I've got Fashanu, Olu Fashanu, the big tackle from Penn State, going to the Titans. J.J. McCarthy, a little bit of a surprise uh, there, going to the Atlanta Falcons based off just a lot of a buzz and chatter of folks that uh, uh, are connected to those who interviewed for that job, and there seemed to be a uh, a thought coming out of those coaching interviews that uh, from ownership at the very top, they want a young quarterback. So uh, that's where I put J.J. McCarthy. Nine, the Bears double up. They go Caleb Williams. They come back with Roma Dunze uh, to spice up a, a pretty anemic offense. And then the, the Jets, golly, I want to give them somebody else. I gave him Fuaga last time. I came back and gave him Talisi Fuaga again on this one. I just I didn't know who else to put there. So those are the top ten. All right, a couple things that stand out to me. Number one, Joe Alt. Has there ever been a better fit for a coach than this tackle? I mean, if you if you study offensive line and offensive line body types, the Notre Dame model and the Michigan model are very similar. Mm-hmm. Very similar looking players uh, for those two teams when it comes to the offensive line. And Joe Alt, you could put him in a Michigan uniform. You could, I mean, he looks like a Notre Dame tackle to me, but I think you can put him right there with with what uh, with what Jim Harbaugh is going to want to do. And it makes perfect sense. Now, would you play him on the right side or would you play him on the left? Well, he's not going to replace Slater at left. Slater's right. already been an all-pro when he's healthy. So the challenge is you've got Pipkins, I believe, has another year of control. Um, and Pipkins is a functional right tackle. He might not be an elite player, but he's a functional starter. So I know some pushback people will get, well, like, hey, you've got two tackles. They're being, you know, you got a, a rookie, a first rounder, and then you or a, a guy on a rookie deal. Uh, who's a first-round pick, and then you've got somebody that you paid on a second contract in Pipkins. And I'm like, look, Joe Ortiz came from Baltimore. Um, it is a best player available, and they prefer the premium positions. Jonathan Ogden played guard his rookie year at six foot nine. So um, if they had to maneuver around, if they wanted to keep Pipkins for another year, they could play uh, alt at guard for a year before kicking him out to be the eventual right tackle. But the, the goal would be you have Slater and alt uh, as your bookend tackles for the prime of Justin Herbert's career. Here's my other one for you. Daniels versus May. Obviously, this is the big battle. And I, I think on tape, I mean, we, you and I have watched all these guys pretty, mm-hmm. pretty extensively. Um, I think without question, the better tape this year is Jaden Daniels. How much are you going with May based on your belief in traits eventually went out because of May's arm talent and his size uh, versus, you know, the thin uh, body structure of Jaden Daniels? How much of this is just you feeling like he might be the type of fit. Where are you in your May versus Jaden Daniels personal evaluations? Personal evaluations, it is very close. Um, and to be totally honest with you, I go through and do this first round of evaluations as you do the same. You know, you have the same challenge in front of you, which is I got to get to 320 guys. So I've got my first layer on these guys. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to once we get done with the combine, circling back and then digging into every single thing. I've seen all of Caleb Williams tape. I'm done. I've already kind of put him to bed. I'm done there, but I want to go back in and watch more stuff 
throughout you know the careers, not just this year with Jaden Daniels as well as with Drake May. So it's close for me. I still have May over him. And talking to the guys I talk to around the league, I get more feedback of Drake May over Jaden Daniels, and that could just be the people that I'm talking to. Um, but when I'm doing these mock drafts, I tend to do them more off of what I'm hearing than my own you know personal belief. Okay, that's a good one. The last question I'd have for you on 10 or last comment, how hard was it for you to place uh, Olu Fashanu at seven, is it because there's a lot of tackles to choose from? Fashanu's got some up and down tape at times. How difficult was that for you to stick Fashanu there at seven with the Titans? Did you ever consider any position other than ta- uh, t- tackle for the Titans? I, I couldn't, um, and I'll give you the uh, the numbers. When you look at it, and you look at a team that's 27th in points per game, tied for 28th in sacks allowed, 28th and third down. I'm like, okay, you know, I like the defense take the ball away a little bit more. They were 31st in takeaways, but the offensive line just slaps you in the face as an area that they have to address. Um, so that's why I, I was looking in that direction. And Fashanu, look, I, I, I'm trying to be careful on this one. It's a little bit, I'm concerned with his evaluation in that you come into the year with expectation and what you've you've seen of a guy and what he's established himself. And I feel like, you can get in trouble by trying to find that one thing and taking one small issue and extrapolating out into a huge issue because that's what we do. We nitpick guys as they come back. Last year, I thought he would have been a top 10 pick. I thought he would have been the best tackle in the draft. This year, I don't think he played quite as well. The Ohio State game is the one that everybody's going to point to. But I'm like, okay, am I just crushing him because he got his eyes in the wrong place in the Ohio State game and got dumped? Um, And am I disqualifying all the other stuff that I've seen on him? So I'm trying to be careful on that one, uh, on Fashanu, to make sure that I'm not, you know, you're not overthinking that one. Um, so that's why I had him go in there. Makes some sense. Let's go through the next two. Yep, uh, 11, uh, Minnesota. These 11 and 12 are quarterback teams, so I wouldn't rule that out. But I, uh, in this exercise, I had Dallas Turner, the edge rusher, from Bama to the Vikings, back-to-back edge rushers, Jared Verse from Florida State to the Broncos, Tyrion Arnold, the corner, uh, to the Raiders. J.C. Latham, tackle to the Saints because the penning uh, pick has not worked out. The Colts, uh, this is a, a special for you, Lance. What do you know? A traits corner and Nate Wiggins going to your uh, buddy Chris Ballard there with the Colts. Byron Murphy um, to the Seahawks. They have uh, Leonard Williams, a free agent there. Uh, I go secondary with the Jags. Quinion Mitchell, who I love uh, at 17, the corner from Toledo. Uh, this one was a fun one. This one uh, may be selfish. I had Brock Bowers fall to the Cincinnati Bengals at 18. I don't think it's super likely that it happens, but man, I just I wanted to dream on that a little bit to see what he would look like surrounded by hopefully T. Higgins coming back on a franchise tag, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. That would be uh, that'd be a fun one. Uh, Jackson Powers Johnson, the center from Oregon, goes to the Rams, and then the uh, the Steelers go Troy Fout. Uh, Fautanu, I got to get that right before the combine. Uh, Washington, tackle slash guard, um, can play pretty much anywhere for the Steelers. I think that's a great pick, 20 with the Steelers. I'm going to circle back. So I think the floor of this draft is going to go. I mean, if you had a draft of just edge rushers, cornerbacks, wide receivers, and quarterbacks, that's you it. would almost wipe out the entire first round. Yeah. Uh, that's and, and it's just going to be how those picks flow, when are there going to be runs, is really what it's what's going to – determine like the top 14 picks because as you mentioned all these teams have you know some teams like the Jets and 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 Tennessee have definite tackle needs offensive line needs but you just never know with the Giants you never know right now uh with the Vikings the Denver Broncos so you're right this really 
I think J.J. McCarthy is going to be one of those linchpins where the draft will pivot on where he is drafted potentially. Um, this is higher than you've had Latham and Wiggins, I think, in your last draft. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, I uh, yeah, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I haven't gone back and looked at 1.0 in a minute. But um, no, in terms of where I have them, it's about where I have Latham ranked. I have, I have to update my top 50 this weekend. But he's in that range. I think he was 17, somewhere around there, on my top 50 list on the first one. So that's about where I have him. Wiggins is one that, um, look, if I was going to say guys I'm coming down on, guys I'm coming up on, um, I got the sense you always put this stuff out there, then you get feedback from the league. And when you look at, at Tez Walker, who I liked on tape, who did not have a good senior bowl, did not catch the ball well at all, he's probably the one that's taken on the most water on my personal list. And then you would look at at somebody like Wiggins, who the more you hear about him, I did I didn't think he was you know super aggressive and wanting to get involved against the run. Uh, a lot of teams don't share the same concerns that I've talked to, so I got the sense that why I have him kind of more in the back of one on my personal ranking on my list that he's going to uh, he's going to go higher than that. So those would be the two that are probably saying one going up, one coming down. Yeah, Wiggins, I started with a 6.7, which is really, really high based on tape. Then dig around a little bit more. I moved him down to a 64, which is mm -hmm. the natural progression. For those who don't know, we go 6.7 to 6.5, boom or bust, 6.4. And I've got, and I stack my 6.4s with one more decimal, you know, with 6.4. Yeah, he's a 6.3 you know? for me. He's a 6.3 for me. At my okay. first list, he was my that 30th means a good, player. That means a good yeah. starter. It's a good player. Yeah. 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 An above average starter, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, give me a player, a 63. Give me a player in the NFL, cornerback, who you consider to be not necessarily a player comp for Wiggins, but give people an idea of what a 63 looks like. Well, I would say until, uh, you know, early on in his career, and I think he's even gotten better than that. Um, what is my man? Uh, why am I going to blank on his name here from now? This is the problem, Lance. I've got all these draft guys in my head, and now you're going to ask me about current NFL players. Where from? Uh, Where my, from? My, well, uh, uh, Jalen Johnson would be the one. Uh, like, I was going to say Jalen Johnson is a 60, was a 63, 64 type player to me coming into the draft, and I thought he's played like that, and he's advanced to probably be a 64, maybe even a 67 uh, yeah. what he's become. But if you watched him early in his career, that's to me, that's like a solid starter. You're not looking to replace just a steady, steady, good football player. So to, I've got Drake May just to have a conversation about our grading scales. I've got Drake May as a 65. Why don't you tell people what 65s are, at least for what we do? Yeah, uh, I gave him the same grade. So a 65 is kind of a high ceiling, lower floor grade. There's some variance there. There's some risk involved, but um you're talking about big, big upside. The the 65 grade is for usually it's reserved for people who need some development. Um, so there's still growth to take place there. There or or there's a risk involved with injury. Uh, there's a risk involved with uh, character. You know, he obviously doesn't fall into that category. He is a kind of he's a D player. So there's some development still to take place there. But a 65 player could turn into a 69, like if he if he realizes his potential. Yeah, sometimes you would much rather have a 64. You draft a 64. And you'd even stack them safe. higher than 65. Yeah. Yeah, That's what people don't player. understand when they see my numbers. Uh, and a couple 65s I have are Olu Fashanu, Andrew, and uh, Drake May. I like Brock Bowers to the Bengals. I love it. Um, I just have such a hard time placing Brock Bowers in the first mock draft because it's hard to place tight ends in general. And then Brock, you know, is going to test well, but he's going to be smaller. Like, just were, were, was it difficult for you to figure out where you wanted to put Brock? Was he lingering? on your sheet about, I still haven't put Bowers anywhere. 
So one of the things that's tricky about this is that it's it's hard to you can't explain it in a mock draft. It's really difficult to even explain it in a tweet. Um, but when you talk to GMs and you talk about and people hear the phrase positional value, and we've had the running back discussion and all that kind of stuff. But there's the financial component that I don't think that that people fully grasp. And let me do my best to try and explain it here. Just pull up if you pull up the list and look at the franchise tag numbers for the players at every position. If you were to take a tight end in the top ten, what you would pay him, even though it might you know you don't think it's a ton of money, but say it's whatever it is, seven eight million uh, on on an average per year. And the tight end number is, say, there's 12 million. So let's just use eight and 12 for just kind of rough numbers here. You're getting a savings of $4 million off the premier, like top players at their position at that position. So I'm already paying top of the market price for my rookie tight end. I'm not really getting that rookie contract benefit versus what I could go out and get free agent tight ends for uh, on the market. Whereas if you look at the receiver number, and it's that number stays the same no matter who you pick with the draft pick. So now we take that same eight million, and now the receiver market we get into the twenty millions. So now I'm the 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 surplus value I have there is enormous. The, you know I don't have to go out on the market and pay top top dollar. I just put all that money back in my coffers. Um, so I think that's something that it's it's kind of tricky to explain. No, but, but that's a teams great are very aware of it. Yeah, I mean that's a great explanation. It's something people need to be aware of. Is is getting a it's like in baseball where you have club control for a certain amount of time on great players and then you know you have to let we're we're dealing with it here with the Astros you have to let certain great players go because they get too expensive that's why sometimes you'd rather have that quarterback on the fifth year option you'd rather have yeah. an opportunity or not even quarterback it could be any position if you think a player is really good you'd rather get the fifth year option if you think they're going to be really good so you still have some club control and you have a franchise tag potentially available um, that's good. Let's go, uh, um, finish it up. Yeah, let's finish it up. All right. 21, uh, the Miami dolphins, uh, Liatu Latu, uh, from the edge rusher from UCLA. And people will say, ah, oh, why would they do that? They've already got two. Well, everybody wants three and you roll those guys through and then you can withstand injury along the way. And keep in mind, uh, they're going to lose, uh, in free agency. Oh gosh. Why, why am I going to blank on his name now? Again, the names are going to kill me with, with veteran players, uh, from, uh, uh, Iowa Van Ginkle. Thank you. It yeah. just, it, the machine's a little slow today, Lance. Uh, uh, again, not, not a lot of sleep. Not lot. I've had too much coffee. I'm not sleeping. Uh, uh, Ennis Rakestraw from, uh, from Missouri, the corner goes to the Eagles desperate need there. This one was a fun one. Brian Thomas jr. The wideout from LSU goes to the Texans. Man. Man, can you imagine that trio? Uh, Tyler Guyton uh, with the Cowboys. Love that. Uh, now, in terms of how that all comes together, I honestly, Terrence Steele had escaped my mind when I put this in there because I said, well, you got Tyler Smith can kick back out the tackle. But, well, if you got Guyton, um, you've got Steele, you could still leave Tyler Smith at guard uh, if you wanted to. To me, that's kind of a steal uh, versus uh, versus him to see who who plays where. But uh, they definitely, with uh, Tyron Smith leaving, need another lineman there. Uh, Cooper DeGene. Uh, from Iowa, goes to the Packers corner. Uh, could play really any of the five positions back there. Um, Adnai Mitchell, big receiver to replace Mike Evans to the Bucks. Darius Robinson, heavy edge. Uh, he goes to the Cardinals uh, from Missouri. Chop Robinson from Penn State, edge rusher, goes to the Bills. They've got a couple free agents, uh, including Floyd and Epinesa. 
Um, so he goes there as an edge rusher. Zach Frazier just feels like a lion. Um, you get the wrestling background. I figured Dan Campbell and him would just, you know, they put on the little headgear and just kind of spar maybe. What are you doing with Ragnow? There. Uh, Ragnow's staying there. I'm playing Zach Frazier at guard, and okay. he is the eventual replacement. They have both guards are free agents in Detroit. So Frazier's, he's 6'3", 314. He's, he'll be fine. He can play guard and then uh, eventually kick over. Uh, Amarius Mims, the tackle, uh, just take a good player to have him fall to the Ravens. That's usually the exercise to do in these mock drafts. Uh, Graham Barton, the tackle from Duke, probably kicks inside. Could be a center there uh, for the 49ers. And then Troy Franklin, speedy wide receiver from Oregon. He goes to the Chiefs to compliment Rasheed Rice. So there's not a world where your guy, Zach Frazier, is going to beat my guy, Graham Barton, to first off the board. That's not going to happen. So we'll scratch that out. We'll just possible. It's still it's uh, I'm not rolling that out. We'll just flip flop them. Um, A.D. Mitchell. Love that you put A.D. Mitchell. You know, I really thought about putting A.D. Mitchell on my first mock. He's going to test well. One of the things people need to keep in mind is there's always uh, frequently there's noticeable growth on tape from year one to year two. I went and watched Mitchell, obviously, when he was with Georgia. Um, not as many snaps, not as many catch attempts. A lot of them came in that game against Georgia. But his aggressiveness level, his he still doesn't always dominate people with his size like he needs to with ball skills, but in aggression. But, like, that will take place. As long as – as soon as he learns to carve out his space, you're not going to beat him on jump balls. He's mm-hmm. going to be terrific. I expect him to run well. I expect him to jump well. And he's got when you when you look at the athletic profile combined with the production this year combined with the traits these are the kind of guys that shoot into the first round like Darius Robinson you put there I put him in my first mock because I'm like this feels like a guy who's going to go first round because of the traits I'd say Ad Mitchell is a guy who probably needs to start popping up in more mock drafts in the first round you know it's interesting you're always you're trying to study these players and you're trying to learn as much about them. I haven't even talked to him. I have not talked to his coaches about him, but I know I know one thing. I know his favorite drink. What is it? Coffee? Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. It's Kool-Aid? Well, where, where would you have gotten that from, DJ? Uh, yeah. You watched the Alabama tape. He consumed uh, a lot of Kool-Aid that game. He did. He had his fill. He got stu- he, yeah, a little full. Right, he got a little full. tracking deep. Yeah. <laughs> it's always good when – and look, listen – I thought there were some games where AD kind of just coasted against Alabama. Oh, you got prime. No. That was the first tape I popped Wagyu. on. And I was like, holy moly. Either AD Mitchell, man. He, he was on it. Either this AD Mitchell was really, really good or this Kool-Aid McKinstry is way overrated. But that was like my yeah. first my first exposure, that first tape that I came out of it saying, okay, I'm not Okay, maybe Kool-Aid McKinstry's not what he was made out to be. Um, but this A.D. Mitchell's pretty good. Um, but that yeah. was the first one that I popped and on. And I think something that, that scouts will tell you, and that you know you know this too, they talk about grade the flashes because sometimes you got to figure out when the flash becomes reality. You know, I'll never forget. It was just the rookie, of the offensive rookie of the year, C.J. Stroud. His regular season game tape was it was solid. It was nowhere near Bryce Young, I thought, in terms of consistency. But it was solid. It was good. I still gave him a – you know, I thought it was more of a 64. But that Georgia game was so exceptional, and it was against the best competition, the last game he ever played. He was moving around the pocket and getting outside of the pocket. He showed no issues with poise. He was so good that you have to say, man, if the Texans or if if somebody gets this version of C.J. Stroud, look out. And guess what? That's who he was this year. So if the Alabama version of A.D. Mitchell is what we're going to see in the pros – I mean, he's a he's a top 14 pick, honestly. 
uh, you know, from a value standpoint of what he could become. Can I give you uh, one? Uh, I'll get on uh, my high horse here for just one second, and then we'll take a break. But yeah, I feel like, and I love the fact that we have so many people that are invested and involved in the draft process. It's great for all of us. I love that so many people have access to video and, and people post things and have opinions. I, I, I would not discourage that. I didn't encourage it. I hope more people continue to do that. I would just say there's one, there's one like major uh, tenet of, of scouting that you learn. And, uh, and when you're in a building with teams and I was fortunate enough to be around some people that were really, really sharp. It's that you get paid to, to scout, to, to find what these guys can do. Anybody can sit there and tell you the 95 things they can't do and posting videos of he can't do this, he can't do that. I'm like, what can he do? Okay. There's no perfect player. There's no such thing. So tell me the things this guy can do and then figure out how that, you know, how teams can feature that and get that out of him and what he can be. That's why I, mean, I always want to watch, I want to look at the box or I want to watch your best game. I want to see your absolute best. And then I want to see, you know, I want to see the point of attack stuff to see all all the good stuff that you do. I can go back through and find find the flaws, and you, you obviously you point those out. But more than anything else, I think that it gets lost. And people, you go through a discussion on a player. I'm like, I just listened to that whole thing. You didn't tell me one. Can this guy do nothing? Like everybody can do something. Like please tell me that you know, just tell me what this guy can do. It drives me a little bit crazy. I had a, I had a story that I heard from a good friend who was his general manager when he was a, a, a regional scout. He said he got done reading the report on a player. He's like, man, we're just machine gunning these guys today. He goes, yeah. well, tell me what he can do. What does he do best? And the guy thought, and he goes, well, he, he does this and this. And like, well, do you think he can? He, uh, he said, okay, you you killed him for this. Do you think that with more coaching he can do that? And the guy said, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I guess that can be coached up. He goes, okay. So, and then the guy, the GM started focusing on what he could do. Mm -hmm. And he goes, so we run this kind of defense. We do this. This is a DB. And he said, so what you're telling me is that this guy, is he good on special teams? Oh, yeah, he's a gunner. He's like, okay. So basically what I'm hearing is a guy that we need to be looking at in the fifth or sixth round who could end up being a backup for us who could play core special teams for yeah, us. Yeah. And, yeah. and this guy who told me this said this is a great learning uh, opportunity for me because I realized I got to go find what they can do because, as his general manager said, these guys are going to end up playing. Mm -hmm. A lot of these guys you kill are going to end up playing. They'll play. Some of them will play better than you think they are. And some of them will just be depth. So don't focus on what they can't do. And my dad always told me late round guys, to undrafted free agents, find something that is a big plus for them, whether it's strength. And he's talking about offensive line. Do mm -hmm. they have great feet? Do they have strength? Are they really smart? Go find one plus plus trait that they have. And then we'll try to work around that. Um, it's, uh, it's yeah, it, as, as one, point, as one of my coaching buddies, uh, likes to point out, <laughs> he said, we, we are of the same age, all of the same age. So you'll appreciate this. He said, we have to remind a lot of times you got to remind scouts in the room about the sewing principle. And I said, I, what are you talking about? And he's like, you know, the three amigos, what's the one thing you can do? We can sew. <laughs> <laughs> you can always do something there's always every player can do something yeah what, what's the one thing they can do um all right let's take a quick break we'll come back we'll jump into the building blocks for the afc north with my buddy lance right after this you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower, 
37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Lance, uh, let's jump into this thing here. Uh, I am going to uh, start with the Baltimore Ravens. And for those that don't know, here's what we do. Um, we will give you a, a you know, snapshot of their free agents, cap space, all that kind of good stuff. We'll talk about some of their building blocks. Um, and then we're going to uh, do the, the, the best part of this exercise, uh, which is the championship foundation for these teams. And let me explain that. I put this in a tweet probably six or seven years ago, and it's kind of uh, created a life of its own. But I was saying, man, if you could condense these teams down, like to just say, what do you need for a core championship foundation? And obviously you build from that, from that core. What we came away with was you know, the quarterback, three offensive playmakers. You need three quality offensive linemen. You need two pass rushers. They could be inside, outside, both or you know, wherever you want to put them. And then three defensive playmakers at the linebacker and secondary level of the defense. So that's just kind of like that core group that you're looking for. And then, you can grade them out, and we have um, through that uh, Jack and our buddies with NFL Research, they put this thing together for us. So um, they've looked at it from uh, blue color, being a blue chip player, green being a really good player, good starter, 
Yellow has some type of concern, whether it's age, injury, contract. Um, Pink is an unproven young player. He might be a great player, a really good young player, but still hasn't done enough yet, proving-wise, that they're still on the the climb, uh, on the ascent. So let's start with the Baltimore Ravens, Lance. Uh, First of all, they are picking 30 in the first round. Uh, Then uh, they have their own picks in the second and the third no extras there. Projected cap space. They are uh, they are going to have five point one million uh, in cap space. Notable free agents. Uh, there's just a couple here. Kevin Zeitler, the guard. Gus Edwards, the running back. Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, Matt BK is the big one. Uh, the D tackle. We'll see if he gets tagged. Uh, Clowney, Van Oy, uh, linebacker Patrick Queen coming off a great year. Geno Stone coming off a really good year. The safety. Um, so when we go through and look at that, Lance, let's just jump to the. Uh, um, to the building blocks, you've got Lamar Jackson's 27, Kyle Hamilton's 23, Roquan Smith is 27, Linderbaum, the center's 24, Zay Flowers, 23, Odafe Owe's 25, uh, Keith Mitchell, the young running back who played well as a rookie last year, he's 22, Isaiah Likely uh, is 24. Um, so all those guys are under contract uh, through at least the, uh, the 26th season. So that's that group there. And then when we get to the championship foundation, this is how uh, how research has it here. They've got the quarterback, obviously, Lamar Jackson's a blue. Uh, offensive playmakers, you've got Mark Andrews, a blue. Zay Flowers is a green, uh, might be headed towards a blue. And then the next spot, you have a combination of Keaton Mitchell or Isaiah Likely. They're both pinks. You know, they're still young, unproven players. Um, you've got Linderbaum as a blue for the quality offensive line spots. Ronnie Stanley's a green. Morgan Moses is a yellow, a little bit older. Uh, pass rushers. Um, you've got a blue with Matabike. You've got a pink with uh, with Owe. We're projecting that Matabike will be back on the on the uh, franchise tag, by the way. And the back end, it's really good with Kyle Hamilton and Roquan Smith as as blues. And you have uh, Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Williams as greens. You would have uh, Patrick Queen as a blue there as well, but obviously he is a free agent. Well, they're in phenomenal shape with the blue chippers. Um, that's rare to have six true blue chippers. And I agree with the designations of each of those guys. And then uh, Marlon Humphrey, Ronnie Stanley, Zay Flowers, you're going to probably tag Matabuike. I mean, there's a reason they're in such great shape uh, from a, from a projected cap space standpoint. If you look at the free agents, you know, losing stone and Patrick queen would hurt. I think they'll keep Matabuike, but this is not their notable free agents or quality players, but it's nothing that's going to kill you. And you have all three picks in the first three rounds so you've got your core, you'll have your drafted players, you'll see if anyone can make their way in. Uh, Baltimore's in really good shape, even though they don't have a lot of cap space. They're still in pretty good shape. They're still in really good shape, I think. Yeah, um, I think the offensive line is probably where they look to uh, reinforce there with Ronnie Stanley having some injuries, Morgan Moses getting a little older. Um, yeah. it, it seems to me that would be the, uh, the target there. Uh, as we finish them up, their last five first-round picks, Zay Flowers, uh, great pick, Kyle Hamilton. Great pick, Hit. Linderbaum. Great pick, Hit. Bateman. Solid, and then Oway. Solid. So I'd say those are three big hits, and then eh, I'm okay. Yeah, a couple. Yeah, a couple okays. Okay, um, all right, let's definitely. let's move it to the uh, Cleveland Browns coming off an 11-6 year. Again, no first round pick because of the Deshaun Watson trade. They are picking 54 in the second round and 85 in the third. Cap wise, they are 19 million over, so 19.6 over uh, the projected cap. Uh, free agent wise, you got Zedaria Smith, edge rusher, Maurice Hurst, a DT, uh, Shelby Harris, a DT, Anthony Walker, the linebacker. They're building blocks. Again, these guys are all under contract through uh, at least 26. 
Um, you've got uh, Deshaun Watson, who's 28. Denzel Ward's 27. Uh, JOK, the linebacker, is 24. What a great young player. Uh, Delpit is 25. The safety, Dewan Jones, the rookie tackle, is 23. Jedrick Wills is still only 25, the other tackle. Uh, Jerome Ford, 24. Cedric Tillman's 24. The receiver, Martin Emerson, corner, is 23. Uh, Hickman's 22. The safety, Greg Newsom is 24. That's a lot of young players uh, on that defense. When we go to... Um, Let's go over to their championship foundation here as I pull that up. Um, interesting group here. Quarterback, interesting. Deshaun Watson is a yellow um, because you've got the uh, the injuries there uh, and the performance hasn't been great in Cleveland. Uh, two blues with playmakers with Amari Cooper and Njoku. Uh, Nick Chubb is a I've yellow. Got, I've got greens on those. Are they blues or Oh, sorry. Greens? No, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You're right. You're right. I'm colorblind. Okay. Uh, Amari Cooper and Njoku are both greens. I could make a case for those guys. Joku might be a blue. Blue, yeah, he. I can make a strong case for blue there. Uh, Nick Chubb is yellow because of the injury. In terms of finding the three quality offensive linemen, they've got Conklin and Batonio as uh, as yellows. I'm assuming for age. Uh, Wyatt Teller uh, is a green. Jedrick Wills, Dewan Jones. um, You've got injuries. I would imagine there uh, is why they're yellows. Miles Garrett. Uh, for the pass rushers, obvious blue. Uh, uh, Okoronkwo is a yellow. And the defensive playmakers, they've got Denzel Ward and Owusu Koromoa as greens. I could make a case for some blue there. Um, and then defensive playmaker, the third spot, they've got uh, Delpit or, or Newsom as pinks. So that's what you look like there. Uh, only one blue, but I think you could make a case uh, for a couple more on there, Lance. Well, I think the problem you have with this team is that they're nineteen million. They're uh, nineteen million over the cap, mm-hmm. and you've got a quarterback and a, and a running back who should be blues and Watson and Chubb. But Watson hasn't played like it and, and doesn't have a great contract. And then Chubb, it's just you know the injuries. Uh, he's a blue player who has to who has to go into the yellow pile because it's just. You know, you just are not getting that same uh, performance due to injury. And Jedrick Wills has not progressed as much as I like. Now, I'll tell you this. I watched some Dewan Jones against um, – and I had questions about Dewan Jones coming out. I think I had a third-round grade on him. I watched him against Nick Bosa. If you haven't watched that, DJ, you should really go back and watch because it is – He played great really, when he was on the field. Yeah, really he missed some time, but he played great. And he learned. As the season went on, he started figuring out his length a little better – and I was really, as a guy who was very suspect about his change of direction, I think he understands how to play inside out. And I think Dewan Jones is going to be a, much like Orlando, not Orlando Brown, but um, his son. Uh, Orlando Brown Jr.? Yeah, yeah, not Orlando Brown, Orlando Brown Jr., OBJ yeah. as I call him. Yeah. Um, I think Orlando Brown Jr. is a great example of, oh, oh the teeth gnashing at the combine and all that. Mm. He's a long player who plays more like his tape, and mm-hmm. he's been a solid player. I think Dewan Jones is going to end up being the same. But, man, I, I, I'm i nervous for the Browns because there's not a lot of – you don't have a first-round pick. you got a quarterback on a so far a bad contract who hasn't performed the way you think he should, and you you don't have a first. I mean, this is, this is going to be tough to right the ship unless guys, some of the young guys, start playing. I think Cedric Tillman can take another step forward, but – you really need Jedrick Wills uh, to step up, and then I think you're only going to be as good as as your running back is healthy. I think, unfortunately. 
Yeah, the good thing is they've got a lot of good young players on that defense. They do. Uh, and Jim Schwartz is a defense coordinator. They're going to be good on that side of the ball for sure. Um, and we'll see what happens with them on the offensive side of the ball if they get some of these guys back healthy. Their last uh, four first-round picks, Greg Newsom, Jedrick Wills, Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward. Um, so they haven't had a ton of those because of trades. Let's get to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers, they are projected uh, $13.9 million over the cap. Uh, they are picking 20, 51, and 84, so no extra picks there in the first three rounds, finishing 10 and 7 last year. Uh, let's look at their building block players that are under contract control here. Um, you've got uh, Minka Fitzpatrick's 27, Alex Highsmith's 27, George Pickens is 23, Pickett. Um, we'll see what he does next year is 26. Broderick Jones, 23, uh, coming off of you know, a solid rookie year. Joey Porter, another rookie, uh, 24. Uh, Keanu Benton, that's a good rookie class, 23. Friermuth's 25, Najee Harris 26, Jalen Warren 25, uh, James Daniels guards 26, Dan Moore uh, tackle uh, a little uneven play there. He's 25, Darnell Washington the rookie man again good rookie class 23. Herbig another one is 22. When we go to the championship foundation for these guys, uh, Kenny Pickett is a pink. He is an unproven young player. Uh, George Pickens is a green. Um, so a good, solid player. Um, you got Deontay Johnson, and uh, then you've got the two running backs, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. They are. All, I would argue that the combination of those two is almost green. Could be green. I would. I would agree with that with Najee and with Jalen Warren. I think that's fair. Um, uh, that they, they have them. Research has them as yellows here. Uh, maybe I'll uh, I'll uh, lob to have those updated. Uh, Broderick Jones, uh, the tackle. He is a pink. You've got a green for Samalo. Uh, he was a really solid player for them. Then you've got some yellow there for Dan Moore and James Daniels. On the defense, the pass rushers, you get a blue for TJ Watt, a green for Alex Highsmith, a blue for Minka Fitzpatrick, a pink for Joey Porter. And they need another one. They, they didn't, uh, Research didn't even put in a third one here. It just says question mark here. Um, so finding another playmaker, either the linebacker or the secondary, would seem like an obvious uh, direction that they could go here in the draft. Well, okay. You're over the cap. So be it. Um, from a From a a free agency standpoint for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's not an issue for them. Um, their issue and their look, it's notably, as we've heard time and time again, this is the youngest, this is one of the youngest teams in, in pro football. Um, the problem you have here is that you don't have the quarterback figured out yet. You need, I think Broderick Jones is going to be just fine, but you still need an offensive tackle, and you need to find a wide receiver. I love what Joey Porter Jr. did last year. I think that's heading in the right direction. I think Broderick Jones is definitely heading in the right direction. When you really take this all in, you know, it wouldn't shock me, DJ, if they, I think, short of the quarterback, which is going to be a concern, they could really tighten up some of these areas with this year's draft. So I actually think the Steelers are still in pretty good shape relative to their age and the rookie contracts they're going to be playing on. I think I figured it out here uh, on the running backs being yellows. They're both up in 25, depending on whether or not they contract. exercise. Yeah, so okay. that falls in the contract. So, we're again, we're talking about building blocks, guys who are going to be here and are under control for the foreseeable future. That so I would imagine sense. with both those, sense. and we'll see what they do with the fifth-year option with Najee Harris. But uh, that is why I assume that they are listed uh, as such. Uh, when we look at what they've done in the draft, um, Broderick Jones – uh, solid player last year. Kenny Pickett, ver verdict, uh, jury's still out on that one. Najee Harris has been solid. But then Devin Bush no longer on the team. Terrell Edmonds no longer on the team. They have not had rookies uh, sign second contracts there very often in like the last 
10, 15 years. Like there haven't been a ton of them, uh, first round picks that have resigned. So that's something they've got to uh, they've got to get better at in terms of of hitting on their first round picks. Um, all right, let's get to the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals, uh, comparing them to the other teams in this division, pretty interesting. They are picking 18, 49, and 80. Um, projected cap space, $59.4 million to spend here for the Cincinnati Bengals. But a big chunk of that's going to get eaten up by T. Higgins on the tag, more than likely. Tyler Boyd's a free agent. Jonah Williams is a free agent. DJ Reader is a free agent. And Chidobia Wuzier. Uh, also a free agent. Building block-wise, age-wise, Joe Burrow's 27, Jamar Chase is 24, Cam Britt's 24, Daxton Hill, uh, young safety is 23, DJ Turner's 23, young corner, uh, Jordan Battle's 23, Miles Murphy's 22, the kicker Evan McPherson makes the list, he is 25. Um, when we go to the building blocks here, the championship foundation, we get Joe Burrow's a blue, Jamar Chase is a blue, T. Higgins is a yellow on here um, because of the contract, I would imagine, the projected tag. Um, you've got Joe Mixon as a yellow. You've got all offensive linemen. You've got three greens. Orlando Brown Jr., uh, Alex Kappa, and Ted Karras as greens. Ted Karras is a green. Wow. I mean, what yeah. a – coming out of what an ascension. Illinois. What I an just ascension. thought he was just kind of a guy. But this is what – when you – that's a great example of these guys play. Tell me what smart, they can smart do. Smart tough. Smart and tough. What do they do? What league. can they do? And Ted Karras is a great example of that. Um, Trey Hendrickson's a blue. They've got Hubbard and Hill as greens. Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt. That combo is greens as well. Uh, then you've got the defensive playmakers. The last two spots, they've got just a bunch of names in here with Cam Taylor, Britt, uh, DJ Turner, Dax Hill, They're all young, Battle, all young guys, all young guys, all yeah. uh, all pink, just kind of young, unproven players. So, so T Higgins is he a green or a blue for you? If he were uh, T Higgins, to a multi year deal, I, I think he's a. I think if he signs a multi year deal and it's under control, there, I think you're talking about a blue player. I think he's a blue receiver. A blue, two blue receivers, a potential in your mock draft to get your hands on. Uh, a tremendous run after catch tight end yep. and Brock Bowers and then Joe Burrow. Yep. I and mean, the thing is that offensive line doesn't need blues. They, if you can just no. build your offensive line with some just all green across there, just all solid good players. You don't need any you know Hall of Fame guys, and they're just steady solid group. That 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 collection of talent on the outside, Burrow will get the ball out of there. So here's the question um, for you, DJ. DJ Reader's had some injury issues over the last two or three years, but he's really impactful when he plays you're gonna pay dj reader or you're gonna let him walk they got 59 million it feels to me like this is a sign your own uh free agent year here for the cincinnati Bengals. but i, I think. think they can accomplish a lot by signing their own guys look at their last five first round picks lance uh miles murphy daxton hill jamar chase joe burrow jonah williams amazing how 2020 and 21 shaped their franchise joe burrow and jamar chase that was uh the, that literally was their foundation um to already get to a super bowl yeah, I tell you what, it was um, – well, that's what happened. It's, it's usually not building outside. Like the Falcons have tried to build out, mm -hmm. right? And and usually you want to build the trenches and build your way out, not build your way back inside. But because Joe Burrow's so great at getting getting rid of the football in general, um, it's worked out for them to an extent. But mm -hmm. we also have two years where Joe Burrow had season-ending injuries. 
uh, out of no his question. Which, is, which, by the way, I give NFL research some crap on this one because technically Burrow should probably be a yellow. Yellow c- coming off the injury. No so, guts. He's so no he's, guts to they give know him this a yellow. Is, they know they're gonna we're gonna tweet this and out. Chubb and they gets didn't a want, yellow, but Joe Burrow gets a yeah, gets a blue. They did not want the smoke. Oh, they did wow. not want the the Twitter smoke on that one. So they yeah uh, they kept try doing a mock draft with with your blues and your yellows and your greens. Oh yeah. oh yeah that's hilarious um all right this has been a fun one i want to encourage everybody to check out the next episode we've got coming your way this week which is gonna be my conference call on thursday uh we will package a portion of that because it's a long one and uh and that'll be something you can listen to where we have a over 100 media members on there firing questions away so a lot of draft talk on that one and uh lance and bucky will kind of pick it up next week from uh from the combine and we'll have updates all throughout the week at the NFL Scouting Combine. Don't forget, really, this is, on yeah, NFL Plus, you and I are breaking down the Combine. Uh, oh, yeah. What the Combine's going to look like position by day by day. Yeah, no question. We've uh, we already recorded those, so those will be released on NFL Plus if you have the app. Check that uh, out. Um, I, spoiler, I hate doing this, but yeah. we do have some day three offensive line talk going on, too, so – Oh yeah. Yeah. We were previewing. We're trying to get you guys excited. Lance, Lance gave a, a five minute uh, dissertation on There's somebody and then fo- the clo- close it, closed it out with, I think this guy could go like fifth, sixth round, you I know? And I'm like, Lance, we want people to the watch fourth. the combine. We would love for them to tune in. This is not yeah. helping the cause here, but nonetheless, check out the videos. I think you'll enjoy that. I'm trying to keep them locked in for the last day, DJ. That's all. There you go. I love it. Um, Again, uh, in all sincerity, thanks again for for popping on with me, man. It's always yeah. great to chop it up. Lance uh, does his work, does his homework. Be sure to uh, to follow him and check him out. Uh, all his stuff on NFL.com and uh, on social media is outstanding. Um, all right, that's it. Uh, that's it for today. We'll see you next time right here on Move the Sticks. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.